We have a silence today of wisdom. And in this room right now, we have so much wisdom and experience of following God. You have voices that need to be heard. You need to speak up. You need to give direction because younger people are looking to you for the answer. In fact, they're looking more to their grandparents' age than they are their parents' age. And you are in a place of influence. Here it comes. Like your word directs me to what's right And spurs me on right through the fight With the promise of new life Your word, oh God, your word to me Making me all that I need to be Your word, oh God, means the world to me The world to me Good evening, everyone. My name is John, and you're listening to A Word with God. And I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1 while we continue to go through a series. And this series is about Ruth and Naomi. Yes, it is. Well, Boaz gets in there, too, near the end. Okay, yes, that's true. Now, it's funny, because when I think of the word, and this is just me, I don't know why, but Naomi, I think of Nanaimo. Oh, those those really the chocolate things? Yeah, because Naomi means sweet. Cool, but she isn't. But it's, I, I can't more than say it. It's, it's like in Arabic, whatever. Naomi means yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah, But she's yeah. not. No, no. Yeah, interesting. You know, yeah, kind of one of those fact, funny next things. week she says, don't call me sweet, call me bitter. No. Yeah, she does. You just blew my mind on that one. I didn't know that. And I, and I know Naomi means sweet. That's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how that, she says, how, don't call, how she got, got don't from Don't call sweet me Naomi any longer. Call me Mara. And Mara means bitter? Bitter, yeah. Anyway, that's a neat little thing that people can know on the radio. Isn't that nice that everybody gets to hear that on the radio? I I thought that's fun. Um, So question for you, you know, and we were talking about this last week a bit, that uh, Ruth isn't actually, she's not an Israelite. She wasn't, she wasn't, you know, she married into it, so to speak. It's kind of that grafted in thing going on. Yeah. And it's, and it's really unusual because you're talking, even though she's a Moabite, um, she becomes part of, like you said, the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. And so like she evil. comes from Lot. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there's that gross thing where, where him and his daughters, I mean, his daughters get pregnant by him because they mm-hmm. think it's the end of the world and no, don't, no other men are left out there. Like, just bizarre. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you think that dabbling your big toe into sin isn't going to affect your family... Here's this guy. He goes and lives in Sodom and Gomorrah. He lives in the, in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. And we have all this sin, and you have the homosexual issue going on. I mean, he tries to give his daughters away to protect these angels from being molested, and they don't even want his daughters. It's like they're an they're unknown commodity. They are so tainted by their life. They're just like, oh, yeah, let, let's get Dad to get us pregnant. That'll be the way to solve it. Like, what is going on with their minds? So you've got that backdrop, these Moabite girl coming in with Naomi. And, and I kind of wonder if that's maybe not part of the reason she wanted to leave them behind, that she mm. knew that they wouldn't be accepted. And in the back of her mind, there's been this warning, don't marry into the Moabite clan. Right. And so I'm kind of wondering if that's not what's been going by. But, but Ruth, think of the courage to walk into this nation and become part of a community 
when your mother-in-law is is kind of out there tripping and she's this bitter angry woman imagine that to come home to right and all along and and then the people aren't really glad you're there either so i mean th- th- this is quite a situation this girl's walked into well and and the, and the challenge is too that where it seems like ruth it's very interesting because ruth is the one who's following and trying to live a godly life yeah but she just be she and she wasn't born as an Israelite. Mm-hmm. But Naomi, who is and should be, is just so negative, and it's, <laughs> it's almost like that. Yeah. You know, you just can't see the forest through the trees, yeah. right? In terms of what God yeah. is doing in her life, but she's completely missing it. Where mm-hmm. Ruth is, mm-hmm. where Ruth is very purposeful. I guess that's why the book is called Ruth rather yeah. than Naomi. Correct. Well, it's interesting because you you look at it even today. How many people do you know that grow up? in the context of a Christian family or in the church, mm-hmm. and they've heard of God's goodness all of their life. And what they see, they do not see all the good. Right. They see the negative. And the negative turns, and I tell you, there's negative wherever you go, whatever mm-hmm. church you belong to, whatever, I mean, if you belong to the local gym, there's negative there. Like, it's not something that is unique to church. It's something that is all around us, but when you're raised in the church, there's this lack of appreciation for what you have, Right. where somebody who's never had any connection comes into contact with Christ and the difference he makes in a, in a person's life, and it's the light switch goes on, and it's like it's, it's valued and treasured, where those who grow up in it have a tendency, not always, but have a tendency to lose sight of the value. Well, and it, and it almost turns into the lenses that you have, mm-hmm. that, you, that you put on for this, right? Yeah. You know, as an example, Naomi's coming from, uh, you know, a lens of bitterness. Yeah. I'm guessing Ruth isn't. Ruth yeah. is looking at this and trying to be, yeah. this is the God that I'm going to worship. This yeah. is the land that I'm going to be moving to. I'm going to make yeah. the best of the situation that yeah. I'm in. And you wonder what was Naomi like before all this happened, because there's this close relationship and and I wonder, was this was Naomi always like this, hmm. or is this the effect of the beating of life? I mean, every every one of us, you live long enough. I mean, evil and disappointment are going to beat down your door, right? And so I kind of wonder where where did this come into Naomi's thinking, and and I wonder if it, she wasn't at one time sweet. Yeah. And that's where the relationship was forged between her and Ruth. And uh, Ruth sticks it out. Well, and you bring up sometimes the idea of, which I like is, you know, when you became a Christian, was it a dimmer switch or a light switch? And, mm-hmm. and we don't know that about Ru- uh, Naomi, but we know that Ruth is right now, she, the switch is on mm-hmm. and she's being positive about it. And, yeah. and really, she's trying to live according to what God has. And ultimately, what we're going to see is not to give it away too much, the blessing that she gets because of that. Absolutely. Well, let's get going into the word and then at the end we'll wrap things up. We call this operating out of conviction and it's a rare commodity in our country. It's a rare commodity in our seniors, though I've seen much of it. It's a rare commodity in my age group. I'm not 
he keeps wanting me to be called a senior yet. I'm 55. I did take the 50-cent break at the pool for turning. But I mean, it's a, to be called a senior for 50 cents saving doesn't seem like a good trade to me. You know what I mean? But anyway, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, it's very rare in my age group. It's almost non-existent, although I am finding in the Bible college students of today a desire to get there, a desire to be there, a desire to live above the norm, to no longer be lukewarm, but to give everything that they have for Jesus. And we need to encourage that group. We need to encourage them with cards and letters and we need to love on them, and we need to share our lives with them. And us old folks, I put myself in there with you, Ivan, we need to share the decisions and choices that we have made that have gone amok and have brought ruin into our life, and we need to be willing to say, you know what, guys? This is where that leads you. We have a silence today of wisdom And in this room right now, we have so much wisdom and experience of following God. You have voices that need to be heard. You need to speak up. You need to give direction because younger people are looking to you for the answer. In fact, they're looking more to their grandparents' age than they are their parents' age. And you are in a place of influence. Do not waste that influence on silliness. Use that influence to propel them and press them into following Jesus. Well, choices derived from conviction. Here's some things. Conviction is more than what's convenient. Need a definition of conviction? It's more than what's convenient. There are all kinds of convenient things that we can do. It's convenient to not come tonight. It'd be convenient to stay home Put your feet up and have a nap. It's not convenient to be committed to your local church. It's not convenient to live your life for the kingdom. That is conviction that will drive you there. Conviction is more than what is probable. Choosing the best path. The good, the better, the best. Ruth had no guarantee that her decision was going to have any more plus than living in the land and losing her husband where she was from. But she had enough conviction of faith to follow Naomi, and there was something that was driving her in that way, and she followed those convictions. Conviction weighs the hardships but sees beyond the hardships. There are hardships. To live a life of conviction, driven and powered by God's word, yes, there will be difficult times in front of you. There will be difficult choices in front of you. But living by conviction looks beyond the difficulties to the end game and the end goal. Fourthly, conviction trusts outside the visible. There is a realm that is around us where we fight not against flesh and blood but against powers, principalities. And living by conviction understands that that is actually true, and there's more than what I see in front of me. There are other things going on. Fifthly, well, let's do this. Take out the God factor. Was Oprah, Oprah, Oprah wrong? No, she was making a decision based on sight. She was making a decision based on the information in front of her, leaving God out of the picture, 
But when you bring God into the picture, it's a different lens that colors everything. Well, difficult choices require spiritual eyes. Following Yahweh should bring conviction. Verses 19 to 21, don't drink the cup of bitterness. First, the cup of bitterness flavors everything else. Did any of you live through the era when when your mother thought cod liver oil was something that was, like, godly? That was from the pit of hell. You you took cod liver oil and everything you ate after that, it just, oh, awful. Take a pill. Don't make your children eat cod liver oil. That's child abuse. It's punishment. The cup of bitterness flavors everything. So, therefore, based on that decision, they both went, they continued their journey until they came to Bethlehem. They were back home. And when they came to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred. It means to be in an uproar. Uh, they were distracted. And, and just because they showed up, they, they uh, and these are the guys who bailed. These are the guys who went back to that place, back to, ready guys? They went to Moab. Can you believe it? They went to Moab. So they went until they came to Bethlehem. They came back to Bethlehem. The city was all messed up and all stirred up all because of them. And the women said, that's the women of the city, is this Naomi? She said to them, don't call me Naomi. Remember, Naomi means my delight. I'm not a delight. I can believe that. I'm not a delight. Don't call me delight. Call me Mara. Call me bitterness. For the Almighty, that's the word El Shaddai. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly. Bitter people leave a bad taste that that stays in the mouth. It taints everything about them. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She's got a chip on her shoulder. Have you been there? There's a cancer called bitterness. And it eats into your life. And it, it finds all the nooks and the crannies. Bitterness is blind to what's good. It filters out what's good. You, you can't see good when you're bitter. Bitterness sees no end to the situation. It's always going to be. I'm always in this horrible... because It sees no end. Bitterness sees the current situation as someone else's fault. This is God's problem. It's my husband's fault. It's my wife's stubbornness. It's, it's that employer of mine. I mean, I've got a couple of people that I... I mean, I, I, they're not quite in the, they're in the acquaintance group, but it's always somebody's fault. I've got a friend right now who's out of a job. It's always somebody's fault. He's out of a job. The guys don't like me. The boss didn't like me. The work was so hard, and they made it hard. to gave me all the hard work. I know, like, you're the junior guy. You're the guy at the bottom of the totem pole, and you're getting all the hard work. Duh, yeah. But it's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's problem. Bitterness wallows in the belief that I deserve better than this. A friend of mine lost his wife because... They lived in like a 45, 4,700 square foot house, had everything worth, I mean, back then it was worth probably, I don't know, 700, 800, I'm guessing, 700, 800,000 in St. Thomas. In St. Thomas, that's a lot of money for, and they had to go down to like a three bedroom bungalow. 
And she didn't deserve that. And she didn't deserve to be treated like that. And so she left him. Bitterness. Says, I don't deserve this. Bitterness is a final destination that is anger and resentment against God. Ultimately, that's where it ends up. Don't feed the beast. It's like a stray cat. You feed it, and it... What happens to stray cats? You feed them. They stay. They stay. I just sick the dog. Anyway, no, I don't do that. It might be cat people here. My wife keeps telling me, you've got to be careful about your thing about cats and how much... I taught my grandson last weekend that, that dogs rule and cats drool. And he's like five, and he's got it really down well, and he's telling his mummy who likes cats. But anyway, I went out full, verse 21. I went out full. I had it all. I had two sons. I had a husband. But they had no trust in God. They turned to the enemies of God and wondered why things went wrong. But the Lord, look at the blame shift there in that verse. But the Lord, but Yahweh, that's what Adam did to Eve. He threw her under the bus. The woman you gave me. But the Lord has brought me back empty. I have nothing. Was that true? Was that true? What about the young woman standing beside her that left country and home, had gone with her? What did she feel like at that moment? What am I, chopped liver? I'm here with you. But all Naomi could see is I've got nothing. That's the only lens that she had. Hey, Stan. Yeah? Question for you. Where do you go to church on, say, a Sunday morning? I, I go to 112 Spadina Road West. John's the same place you go. I'm just checking. Just have you ever sure. seen me there? I have seen you there, but normally like, you're speaking I'm the guy the front. up front speaking. I know. You did a great job of it, too. So 112 Spadina Road West, and it's Evangel. Community Church. Evangel Community Church, right close to uh, St. Mary's. It's fairly close to there. Kitchener, Ontario. Why do you call me Naomi? Why do you call me Delight? Since the Lord, since He always witnessed against me. He's made it clear He doesn't care about me. And the Almighty's afflicted me. It means to be evil or bad towards. God's been... I mean, she is like right on the line. If this was in the days of Moses, he'd be looking for the ground to open up and suck her down. Okay? God is being evil towards me. Watch the lightning. He's injured me. He's hurt me. He's broken me to pieces. Do you have a person like that in your life? They're angry at God. He's so angry at God. He's so bitter with life. You can pray for him. I trust you saints who pray. He's caught right here. The outcome of a bad decision tends to cause us to blame shift, become bitter to God and to others, to isolate ourselves, to live in self-pity. That's where Naomi was. She was all by herself, didn't want anybody around. To downplay what's good, to exaggerate what's bad. Downplay the good, exaggerate the bad. So... 
Difficult choices require spiritual eyes. Following Yahweh should bring conviction. Don't drink the cup of bitterness. Verse 22, God has perfect timing. So Naomi returned, and with her, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab. Here you have the one who doesn't know about Yahweh, who really is just like got her big toe in the water, making good decisions, following God, trusting God, and the one who has all of the life's experience, who grew up in the nation of Israel, who grew up in worshiping in the tabernacle, the one who has had all the privilege, she's the one driving the bus under the, under the bridge. In Ruth, God is moving in her heart and changing her. How many times has that happened in the church? People that grow up in the church and they hear of the amazing word of the gospel and they see all that God, and, and, they, and they go down a path that takes them far away from God. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. And you go like, what? Doesn't that sound out of place? Like to you? Doesn't that like, if I'm, I'm telling this story and about the bit, it's like, and they, and they came there at barley harvest. And it's kind of like, so? What a, sometimes our choices stand before us and they're time sensitive. And God was going to do something in this young woman's life and that she came at the barley harvest at the very opportune time that God wanted her there, that God had a purpose for her to be there. Her family didn't know. Like Naomi was, I mean, she's useless at this point. I mean, she's in tears and bitterness. She sees no good. And God is going to move into this young woman's life in a a way that is just going to take her by surprise. And it's going to change Naomi as well. Father, we thank you for your love to us. And we really don't get it. We, We try to understand it. I don't believe anybody here wants to make bad decisions. We just get in some ruts and we start doing things the same old, same old. And before we know it, there we are. In the middle of a mess, relationally, emotionally, with all kinds of consequences on our back doorstep. And the fat cat of bitterness perched on our lap. And how did we get here? What happened? In these moments, I would ask you to put a lens on your eyes, a spiritual lens, and look at your life and ask yourself, have I walked down any of these roads? And if I have... Am I not tired of it? Am I not weary of fighting against God? Am I not weary of being angry 
and upset and bitter. You know, I'm going to be down at the front afterwards. And if you want to talk, I'm there. Don't worry about ice cream. You, you don't need it. None of us need it, okay? Ice cream is not the deal. But Heavenly Father, choose and pick and touch hearts tonight. And would we make decisions, decisions that follow you? And that's my prayer. And we close this evening with that. Amen. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us this evening. And again, next week we're going to continue the series that we're doing right now in terms of Ruth and ultimately uh, seeing what we can do in terms of making the right decisions and and living according to God and what he has for us. So we'd enjoy, uh, enjoy for you to come next week. We're inviting you for that. And as always, remember, don't end your day without a word with God.